down to some things, and as we work our way through some of these points of review, we're going to obviously uh, weave some more uh, expansion and, and some uh, other things into it. So if you've been here for uh, all this study or this is your first uh, session in this study, uh, either way, God's got some things to say to us, and I'm excited that you're here and watching online uh, to receive them. First of all, we see in James chapter 2, and this kind of maybe establishes a baseline of some of the things we're going to be continuing into tonight, but it says this in verse 17, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And there was this great debate in the early days of the church as the Holy Spirit was revealing to uh, the body of Christ uh, God's grace and the importance of faith and that it's now uh, a faith so that it might be by grace and it's not our performance like it was in the Old Testament. And as is the case with um, a lot of new things that, that God brings to the body of Christ, people tend to overcorrect. It, it's kind of one of those situations where you know, if we're not careful, we, we'll ease out of the road on this side and then we'll bring it back into alignment and we'll overcorrect and, and we'll come back across. And so there were those who were now saying that that works and, and what we do doesn't matter at all. And of course, we know that's an overcorrection. It's not that our works and what we do aren't important, but it's the attitude and the heart by which we do them. And we know that now as God's children, those been born of his from above, born of His Word, born of His Spirit, that we are His His offspring, not of works, lest any man should boast, but because of God's grace and because of the faith that He gave us to to call upon Him after we heard this glorious gospel that we've become members of His family, we've become new creations. And so we now work not to be made right, but we work because we are right. We, we don't work for, for God and serve God to be loved by God, but we work and serve God because we are loved by Him. We are accepted. We're not trying to earn our acceptance and our favor uh, with God, but, but we've been given acceptance and we've been given favor. And we work because of that, not to earn it. And some folks may not yet see the difference between those two positions, but I'm telling you, the, the, the difference is vast. Amen. Working to become versus working because you already are. Working to make yourself something versus working and doing uh, because God has already made you something that you could never make yourself. And so works have their place. Our effort is required. We've been commissioned to go into the world and, and we've been commissioned to do the works that Jesus did and greater works. We've been commissioned to go and and preach the gospel. We've been commissioned to cast out demons. We've been commissioned to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. And, and, and of course, all of these things are, are a part of our destiny and a part of our family business, father's business, that we've now been brought into. But there's also this confusion now where, you know, people think that works can somehow take the place of or be a substitute for faith. And, of course, we also see in James uh, chapter 1 and, 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 and verse 5 where he instructs us to ask for wisdom if we lack it. And then he says we must ask in faith, nothing wavering, nothing doubting, because he that wavereth 
is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. And he goes on to say, let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from God. And I know that's a pretty strong statement, but aren't you glad Father loves us enough to tell us the truth? And he explains to us that, that weak and wavering faith uh, simply will not uh, receive the things that Father uh, desires for us to, to have and experience in our lives. Now, you can get mad about that. You can get mad at me for, for telling you that. I don't think you are, but I'm just saying uh, it's not going to change it. Uh, because if, if it's about our works and our performance and our earning, then it can't be uh, by grace. And I'm telling you tonight, you do not want what you deserve. But we do want, and Father wants to give you what He desires for you to have, and, that, and that's His grace. That's something that, grace by definition, is, is not something you've earned or deserved. It's something that's a gift that is, um, is freely given. And so this then shifts you know, a, a, a greater importance uh, to faith um, apart from works. And, and so this is, again, where some of the confusion that is being cleared up by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle James. And the correct uh, understanding is faith first and then our works being a reflection of our faith, but never our works being a substitute for faith And this is where the Holy Spirit's been speaking to us, is where we try to compensate for weak and wavering faith by uh, doubling down on Christian disciplines and by doubling down, by going harder after, uh, you know, faith uh, principles. Now, thankfully, thankfully, we have spelled out for us in the Word of God specific disciplines. When I say disciplines, things like prayer, things like fasting, uh, assembling ourselves together, um, loving, and you know, all, all of these things that, that we're to uh, work together with the Holy Spirit and cooperate with and, and you know, apply ourselves to, uh, all of these things require effort on our part. Amen? No such thing as effortless love. No such thing as effortless faith. Okay? So don't think that I'm saying otherwise than that. But the correction that the Holy Spirit is wanting to bring to us and to the body of Christ is when we think we can receive from God with weak and wavering faith and somehow make up for that weak and wavering faith by applying ourselves more to the disciplines and applying ourselves more to the principles. The disciplines and the principles have their place but they can never be a substitute for genuine faith. Amen. Amen. I want you to love me on that. I'm not trying to offend you or or anything like that. But again, we we need to understand these things and recognize these things. One way we could communicate this maybe would be by the expression misplaced faith. Now, there's lots of ways to define faith and, and understand faith. The simplest is what we see in scripture and maybe we'll get to this in greater detail next week or the week after but the simplest is the greek word pistis p-i-s-t-i-s and it is a derivative of the greek word uh, that has to do with persuading and and so we see that pistis defined or, or or communicated in the scriptures in many places by the word faith especially in hebrews 11 it's it's talking about someone who has been fully persuaded someone that, that has a, 
a, a firm or full persuasion in God. Amen. And we see this dovetails with, with Abraham and what we see about him in Romans 4, where we see that he came to that place of being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. He didn't begin fully persuaded. He began laughing at this idea that him and Sarah would have a child. But as he gave glory to God and as he began to say what the angel told him that there's nothing too hard for God, is there anything too hard for God? And as, as he began to fellowship with God and as, as he began to understand the, uh, the, the nature and the character and the ability of God, we see that his faith in God grew and increased to the point that he no longer considered uh, the, the things um, that, that were uh, telling him it would never happen. That, that, that he and Sarah would never have a child. He, he got to the point where he no longer considered how things looked and seemed and felt. Uh, but by giving glory to God, he became fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised. So we, we tend to focus on the promise more than the promise maker. We, we tend to search the scriptures to find what God has promised us, but we overlook the one who made the promise to us. And so we're trying to have full confidence in something that God has said without having full confidence in Him first. Amen. And so this is why a lot of people uh, have weak and wavering faith, and so we take our knowledge of the Christian disciplines and we take our knowledge of the faith principles and we just try to bear down on them, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, we're going to make this happen. We're going we're gonna, to gonna get this thing done. Remember, before Jesus ever taught us how to pray, he cautioned us to not think that just because we pray a lot or we ask over and over again that this means we'll be heard. Now, God hearing you is all that is required, right? By this we know, we have confidence that if He hears us, right? It's a whole other subject of, of on the, you know, a whole other teaching on, on the subject of prayer there. Um, but Jesus, so the, the key thing is, if you know God has heard you, then you know you have whatever you ask. Okay? So the key thing is God hearing you. And Jesus explained, he said, don't think that God will hear you just because you ask a bunch of times or just because, you know, you, you uh, reach a tipping point uh, of a certain number of, of words and that, the, and that the volume of words finally, you know, got to the point where, okay, enough already, let's just do it for him. He, he's, that's not how this works. Now, is Jesus telling us not to pray? Is he telling us to neglect the Christian discipline of prayer? Absolutely not. He's about to teach us how to pray effectively. He's about to answer a question that his disciples had when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. But before he taught them to pray, he said, I'm going to teach you how to do it. But now that you learn the prayer principles, now that you learn how to do it effectively, don't think that you can just go off and, and because you, you know, have prayed a certain amount of time or because you've, you know spoken a certain volume of words into the atmosphere that somehow that's a substitute for, for genuine faith or that'll somehow compensate for weak and wavering faith. Amen. Are you still with me? This is, this is extremely important. Extremely important. Hallelujah. Now, let's see where the Holy Spirit would have us go from here. 
there's a lot that I want to review, but there's some new stuff I want to get to. So um, we said to make it clear, Christian disciplines consistently followed with the right heart, with the right heart toward God can help you grow in fellowship and faith with God. But performed with the wrong attitude, they're nothing more than prideful religion and self-righteousness. Let me, let me see, this is, I don't have a lot of slides on this, but let me, this is in my heart, so let me try to, with the Holy Spirit's help as always, uh, get this out there, okay? So, <clears throat> principles and disciplines appeal to our flesh. Um, we see in Scripture different people who came to Jesus simply wanting Him to tell them what they needed to do to have whatever it is that they wanted. And we see in, in, in both cases, Jesus, like in John 6, where they said, just tell, us what we need, just tell us what we need to do to do what you did yesterday, which is take a little boy's lunch and feed thousands of people with it. And Jesus said, look, what you need to do is believe on Him whom God has sent. But they weren't interested in that, Jesus said as much. Instead, they just wanted a, a list of steps, a list of principles that they could then go and do themselves, leaving Him out of the equation, and experience the same results that Jesus Himself produced the day before. Now, on the surface, especially if you don't know the Scriptures, this seems way out of line. But Jesus Himself said that we would do the works that He did and greater works. So it's not that, it's not that they were wrong for wanting to do what Jesus did. We're all to want to do what Jesus did. But it was their, their attitude was, just tell us what we need to do, and then we'll go do it. Tell us the principles. Tell us the disciplines. And, and then we'll take it from there. Now, if let's go back to that concept then of misplaced faith. Misplaced faith would be when your faith, your faith is placed in your performance at the disciplines. When your faith is in the fact that you've fasted 21 days and you've prayed a minimum of, of an hour a day and you've been really good and you haven't missed a church service in three years. Now, should we pray? Should we fast? Should we attend church? Absolutely. But if your faith is in those things, it's misplaced. Are those disciplines? Are they important? Are we to, are we to live those things out? Yes, but only in, as a response to our faith in God, not in, as an effort to try to compensate for weak and wavering faith. And this is where, listen, this is where people get, get angry with God. Because whether they want to say it or not, they feel like because they've done all those things that God owes them a miracle. God owes them a breakthrough. God owes them healing. God owes them prosperity. Tithing is a, is a Christian discipline. But we see that God doesn't just love a tither. We, that almost sounds blasphemous, doesn't it? No, He loves a cheerful giver. There's a difference between someone who religiously pays their tithes, but, but grudgingly so, because we're going to learn to live with, for less, with less than, than someone who is a cheerful giver. What's the difference? It's the attitude of the heart. It's the attitude of the heart. 
And, and this is where you hear people talking about mad at God, disappointed at God, God let me down, why did God do this to me? Why did God? Because they've misplaced their faith. It's getting quiet up in here. When we, when we say these things appeal to our flesh, and I, listen, I, I, I'm asking you, I've asked you this a few times already, and I'm, I'm going to ask you again, all right? Um, I hear the spirit of this and not the letter, okay? Because this one-dimensional approach to receiving from God has conditioned us for visual confirmation, and it's trained us to work harder when results aren't coming fast enough. So this conditioning and training is what leads us to try and compensate for weak and wavering faith with human effort and willpower. And so many times, now, you're going to hear me, you're going to love me, just hear me and love me, okay? I'm going to be gentle here and we're going to get this said, but I want you to, we need to say it, okay? So many times in prayer, we feel compelled to bring flesh and emotions into the equation. We feel compelled to strain at prayer, contort, or even holler. Now, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes the mighty power of God available in its working. I pray loud, I pray quiet when I'm in here by myself. I wonder sometimes if they can't hear me over at the post office. So hear me now, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's wrong. You know, in, in the right setting, in the right order. Amen. Okay. But where it becomes misplaced faith is when our confidence is in how loud we got, how emotional we were. If you've ever heard Brother Keith Moore tell the story when the Lord, you know, was brought some correction to his life. He had this long line of people for prayer. He had called them down front and a long line of people for prayer. And just up in front of everybody, he took his coat off. He started rolling up his sleeves. And he said, the Holy Spirit just prompted me. He said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Right? See, there's, there's something in us, because we've been conditioned to think this way, there's, there's something in us, we long to feel something. Now, am I the only person in this room that's ever felt something from God? I have, I felt Him tonight. Amen. I'm thankful for it. Okay? So, if you go out of here saying we, we shouldn't feel and feelings are wrong. No, no, God create, God's an emotional God. He has feelings. He created us to feel what He feels. There are, there are times when, when in deep prayer and intercession, you'll, you'll feel a grief in you. And it's God and by the Holy Spirit. And He'll pray through you with groanings which can't be uttered. All of that, listen to me, I, I believe all that, I do all that, I am all that, I practice all of that. But when we think that we got to have that or else we haven't received anything or we haven't accomplished anything, that's misplaced faith. Thank you for those amens. Amen. See, it's one thing to feel something when the Spirit of God is moving. It's another thing to long to feel something because we need a sign or some confirmation that we've received.
I watched Brother Hagen down at the Civic Center. I think it was either the concert hall or the theater. I, can't, I, I get those two venues mixed up. Um, but obviously thousands of people there and in, in the last service in that meeting, he was laying hands on folks. And it was hundreds of people. I'll, I'll never forget one of the first times I, you know, I had prayed for people for years and years and years, but one night we had a prayer and healing and Holy Ghost service here, and there were people all the way across. And I went down there, and I looked all the way, because it's 100 foot between these two walls. I looked all the way down. There's 100. I'm thinking, we're going to be here at 3 in the morning, pray all these people. Right? I mean, you, it's one of those like, Shazam, you know, it's kind of like the first time this, this older lady, I can say her name, I'm not going to say her name, she's with Jesus now, but she had this really big hairdo, you know, Sunday hairdo, and, and I was filling in for the pastor, and so it was time to anoint people with oil, and I had, I had the first time I've ever really, you know, done this, I'd prayed for teenagers and that stuff, and she came down, and I'm like, where did I, what, you know, I'm saying, amen, if you've never done it, just like, where do you, you know, so I opted for this, you know, for it. Anyway, but I watched Brother Hagen that night, okay? Now, obviously, the Spirit of God was moving. People were being touched and healed and all that stuff. But it became so many people to pray for. He just went down, the, he went down like this. I promise you, exactly he was going, the name, the name, the name, the name, the name, the name. People were falling out under the power of being healed, miracles, all that stuff, you know. He didn't have to go, I'll be healed, you You do realize you can grab somebody really, I'm going to let you know on a secret, okay, and we don't do that here at Heritage, and you'll get called down for doing it, okay. But you can grab somebody really fast and really hard up under their neck and kind of push them back a little bit, and they'll more than likely lose their balance and fall down. You push them down, right? Now, why would people do that? People may do that out of pride because they want everybody to think they're the spiritual guru and they, you know, got the power of God flowing through them, knocking everybody down, okay? All right? Okay? Or it could be that maybe if that person falls, they'll believe something really happened. But you see how all that's misplaced faith, right? You say, well, was Brother Hagin being disrespectful by not saying the name of Jesus? Remember that what we talked about last week, the seven sons of Siva, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches? Jesus knows Brother Hagin, and, and Brother Hagin knew Jesus. <laughs> in other words, there was no offense taken. The name, the name, the name, the name, the name. My mother was, was one that night. He just touched her, the name. Right? Power of God. We believe in all that. We do all that around here. But the, the point I'm trying to show you, though, is when, when we, so many times in, in prayer and praying for other people, we feel compelled to bring the flesh into it, bring emotions into the, into the equation, strain, contort, or holler. Listen, it's, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. Right? You believe God and you get a revelation that you've received something from God, you might take off running, you might take off hollering, screaming, you might take off dancing, you may flop on the floor. Remember, King David danced in his ephod. I'm not, I'm not saying, listen to me, if you think I'm, I'm preaching against that, you are not hearing what I'm saying. 
but where it becomes misplaced is when we think, first of all, we've got to have that or nobody can receive. Or that we got to get the flesh in it and we got to get emotions in it. And, and, and if we don't take off our coat and roll up our sleeves and grab people really hard and, and holler and spit and spray. Amen, Romy. So remember, Christian disciplines have become the Ishmael for many modern day believers. And if you're not familiar with that, Name Ishmael was the son Abraham produced by the efforts of his flesh. He conceived Ishmael with Hagar instead of Sarah as God had instructed. And you, but that's not all that I'm trying to say to you. If you know the story, he then begged God to let what he produced by the flesh be an to let Ishmael, what he produced by the flesh, to be an acceptable substitute for what can only be fulfilled by faith. Are you seeing this? Oh, sweet Jesus. All right, I got to get to some more stuff here. You good? Where is the time gone? Amen. <clears throat> so in John six twenty eight, when the people rode across the sea to find Jesus, they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And we see from the conversation, according to Jesus, that they were not seeking the person of Jesus, but they were seeking the principles by which he operated. And so principles like disciplines have their place, but they're no substitute for genuine faith in God. Principles like disciplines are what we often use to try to compensate for weak and wavering faith. Disciplines and principles appeal to our flesh and sense of doing and reasoning, but again are no substitute for genuine faith. Now, let me, let me try to illustrate it to you this way, all right? Because we, we've been conditioned, our, our minds have been conditioned to get things, to acquire things through discipline and principles. And because the disciplines and the principles, our minds have been conditioned that way by the world, we tend to bring that with us into trying to receive from God. And so let me, let me try to give you an, an example here, okay? Let, let's say that um, uh, a young man, you know, he's turned 16, got his driver's license, and, you know, he's been borrowing his dad's car and, and happy to do that. But he's ready to get his own car. Well, see, the, the world says if you want to get your own car, you need to get you a job. You need to discipline yourself to do your schoolwork and be faithful employee. Okay, discipline. And, and you need to save some money. That's principle, right? So notice now, we've got, we've got discipline, we've got principles. You say, Pastor Mark, you know, is this something to send somebody to hell? Absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not preaching against disciplines and principles. They have their place. But I'm just trying to show you how we, we've been conditioned by our life experience to put our confidence in discipline and principles even more so than put our confidence in God. 
Like, watch this, raise it. Mama, Mama, can I have some ice cream? What do you say? Please. All right, don't spoil your supper. So, no, 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 what's, what's happening here, right? Saying please, mind your manners. These are principles. What are our parents trying to teach us? They're trying to teach us to, 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 be, to have manners. Amen? I know he's my grandson. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a, a 16-month-old child with better manners than little Sam Sam. There's a, a Maverick City song, I Thank God, and, and about four minutes into that song, if you've heard that song, they start saying, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get, and it, I mean, it starts getting real. I mean, you start feeling it. You're talking about, you're talking about feeling something. You start feeling it. I mean, you'd be driving down the road like, man, I'm about ready to pull his car over and get up, get up, get up, right? You know? Well, Sam Sam loves that. He loves that song because Oliver loves that song, right? His big brother loves that song. And so we get in the car, and Sam Sam, getting buckled in his car seat, he goes, Gin Diddy, get up, get up, get up, peace. So obviously, I get that song going, but it's four minutes before they're going to get to the get up, get up. Gin Diddy, get up, get up, get up, peace. So what parent doesn't want their children to learn the principles of good manners and to be disciplined in their application. And so we, you know, as, as, as kids, we start having that kind of thing ingrained into us. I'm not preaching against this. How about this? Cause and effect. Principles are at the root of cause and effect. What is cause and effect? Do this and you'll get that. So in, in John 5, Jesus says that to this group of people, he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But what you're overlooking is that the scriptures that you've searched backwards and forwards looking for what you can do to have eternal life, you've missed the part that they're, they're, they're speaking to me. They're pointing to me. They're testifying of Jesus. They're not interested in coming to Jesus so that he can give them eternal life, they're more interested in the principles and the disciplines that they can extract from the Word of God so that they can go do it themselves and have eternal life. What must I do? Rich young ruler asked him, right? What must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to do the works of God? Jesus said, believe on him. Whom God has sent. So our minds have been conditioned to get things through discipline and principles. This is why we tend to put our trust in these rather than in God. And so it comes to God and we're like, okay, all right, so we'll just take what we've learned from the world about principles and disciplines and getting what we need and want and we'll just find out God's principles and God's disciplines and we'll use God's principles and we'll use God's disciplines to get what we want and what we need from God. (laughs) Sad thing about it is, maybe not in this room, but there are people watching me right now and going like, and what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is we've left Him out of it. And what we don't realize is that if we think we can get what we want and need from God by principles and disciplines, how well we perform at the principles and the disciplines, then where is our faith really placed? It's not in God, it's in ourselves. 
We don't realize the devil's duped us because we think the better we perform the disciplines and the more skilled we become in the principles that somehow this is going to put us in a place where God's got to do for us what we want and need him to do for us. And what we don't realize is that we've allowed the devil to deceive us into actually placing our faith in ourselves rather than in the promise maker. Was this just something in our family? or, or Did you ever use that expression, a surefire way? That's a surefire way. I wanted to kind of research that. It almost sounds like a slogan from an ammunition company. Anybody? A surefire way? I don't know where that expression came from. But what do we mean by a surefire way? A surefire way means you do it like this, and it's going to produce this result. It's going to do it 99% of the time. See, it's a principle, right? A surefire way. There's other ways to do it, but this is the surefire way to do it. You do it this way, it's going to work out for you every time. Oh, okay. Yes. See, this appeals to our flesh. It appeals to our sense of reasoning. It, it appeals to the way we've been conditioned by the world to think. What did he say? He said, in all of your getting, ultimately he said, all your getting, get understanding, get wisdom. But see, so much of what we do in life is about getting Getting what we need, getting what we want, getting what we need, getting what we want. Oh, now we've, now we've got God in the picture. Uh, we've got a whole new world of things that we can get and things that we want and things that we need. But what we don't understand is we, we, we take the... Now, obviously, I mean, there's other ways in the world of getting besides working hard and saving your money. I mean, there's, there's illegal things that people do all the time. I'm not, that doesn't worthy of our mention here. So growing in faith then is much more than growing in your understanding of faith principles. Being more disciplined may give you a sense of being more mature, but it's not the same as growing in faith. The religious leaders who stripped Jesus naked, beat him almost to death, and nailed him to a cross were among some of the most principled and disciplined people who ever lived. But they didn't know God. They didn't know God. Man, I wish I had two more hours. You ha- can you hang in here with me for a few more minutes? <clears throat> so he says in John 6 and 63, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. We, we brought this verse alongside that one, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Sometimes, you know, um, you, you hear, when I get in front of you, you hear of, you know, my time with the Lord and, and meditating on things and, and how that meditation leads to understanding that I then pass along to you Rarely, if ever, do I get up here and tell you about, you know, these avenues of thought that I go down that wind up not being the Holy Spirit and not being in agreement with the Word of God. But here's, here's one. I, I had jotted down in some notes. I didn't bring up the pulpit with me, but I jotted down some things a week or so ago along this lines. And have you ever heard the expression, um, uh, it's not science, it's art? Or it's not art; it's science. You ever, have you ever heard that expression? It's a difference between science and art, or you know, 
And, and so I, I kept trying to develop something, you know, in my spirit. Maybe that was from the Lord. I, I mean, he corrected me, and I'll, I'll give you the correction here in just a second. Um, because, you know, I'm thinking, you know, the science would kind of, you know, apply to the, to the principles. But when you start talking about the art of something, and so medicine, for an example, men and women who are doctors and practice medicine, there's a, there's a science to it and there's an art to it, right? Okay. And so I kept trying to develop some thoughts along those lines between, you know, the science of receiving from God versus the art of all these things. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, it's not science or art, it's spirit. It's not science, it's not art, it's spirit. It's a whole other category, right? It's a whole, it's a whole other level than just the scientific discoveries and principles and, and, the, and, the, and the art of something. It's a whole different level than that. It's, it's spirit. It's, praise God. So let me, the flesh profits nothing, the spirit gives life. The letter kills, the spirit gives life. And so the word, the Greek word here, and we'll finish right here for tonight, okay? And I didn't even get past my introduction, but that's all right. We're good. Y'all good? Everybody good? All right. So when he says the letter kills, the spirit uh, gives life, um, in the Greek, the word for letter is grandma. Now, not, you know, Pam is grandma. All right, that's, <laughs> that's grandma, right? Okay, so, um, no, grandma like grammar. We get our English word grammar from this. But the grammar here, the letter, he said that kills. And remember, first thing I want you to think of when you hear the word kill or death is separation. Separation, right? So death is separation. That which kills is what brings death, and death is separation. Spiritually dead is when your spirit is separated from God. Physically dead is when your spirit and soul separate from your body. So he said the letter kills. Obviously, people you know, that took the Old Testament, you know, it could bring physical death. I'm not trying to ignore that application. But the broader application, the broader application is um, it, it brings separation from God's highest and best. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So the grammar speaks of the external fixed and governing principles. The pneuma, which is Spirit, it speaks of the internal, dynamic, and energizing person of God. So, here's the point. The grammar of faith is essential, but will accomplish nothing apart from the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. So when Jesus says in, can I just say this last thing? <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. Amen. Uh, y'all okay? Y'all good? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Remember, the letter appeals to the flesh. Just tell me what I need to do, and I'll get busy making it happen. Stay up all night if I need to. I mean, you know, we got the, we used to have a saying around, rarely if ever did we miss a church service when, when we were growing up, but 
on rare occasion, rare, rare, rare occasion, there'd be something like the plumbing from the house to the sewer um, had caved in and we had to dig up the whole front yard. You know, my daddy, he, you know, we, we, we out there doing it, right? My Uncle Bill brought over a backhoe and we, we digging up the front yard and we're going to do this ourselves. And, and uh, so dad's trying to, he had this saying, if we, on rare occasion we miss church or something like that, he'd say, sons, he said, our ox is in the ditch. <laughs> and of course, you know, that, you work on the Sabbath, you know, if your ox was in the ditch, you'd get him out, right? And so our ox was in the ditch, had to get the, get the ox out of the, <laughs> out of the ditch, okay? Um, there was a reason why I was going to tell you that, but I don't know what it was right now. But let me finish this, okay? <laughs> Mom and Dad are watching tonight. Lo- love you, Dad. Uh, man, the memories we have, praise God. He just had another big plumbing issue, and it, it, was, it was not sitting well with him. You know, he told me, he said, 10 years ago, I'd be out there with a shovel. I said, I know, Daddy, I'd be out there with you, but it's, you know, things have changed now, so praise God. Uh, this plumbing issue required a crane, okay, if that tells you anything. So, But Daddy would have still, he'd have still figured out a way to get her done. So, but anyway, um, so the letter, that's what it is. The letter appeals to the flesh. Just tell me what I need to do, and I'll get busy making it happen. You know, it's just like, I don't care how big it is. I don't care what i got to do. You see, that's what, when the rich young ruler's like, just tell me what I need to do. And Jesus gave him something to do, which exposed where his real trust was in his money and not in Jesus. He went away distraught, right? So in John chapter 5, 39 and 40, I mentioned this earlier. We'll jump back in here next week. But he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And here's the key. These are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have the thing you're searching for. Because what they're searching for is in him. It's in a, it's what, what they're looking for and what, what you're looking for, what I'm looking for, we're all looking for, what all humanity is looking for tonight. It's not in a principle or a discipline. It's in our Savior. It's, it's in Jesus. You see, their search of the Scriptures was a search of the grammar. It was a search of the letter in hopes of finding the principles, what one must do in order to have what one desires. But they miss the Spirit. They miss the person who gives life. It's easy for us to judge them, but how many of us today are searching the grammar of the Scriptures because in them we think we have prosperity? And we do have prosperity in them. That was the thing. Remember we said that last week? There was eternal life in the Scriptures, but it wasn't a principle. It was a person. How many of us today are searching the grammar of the Scriptures because in them we think we have prosperity? healing, freedom, and blessing, but fail to realize in whom, capital W, in whom all these reside. Amen. Amen. Faith is full persuasion in a person. In our Father, Father, you're good to us. Thank you for helping us tonight. Thank you for these precious, beautiful people who are hungry for you. Lord, I thank you that you're teaching us and you're helping us and you're showing us, you're revealing us, Lord, to us. And and Father, forgive us for searching the scriptures for the promises and, and, and not paying attention to the promise maker. 
Thank you, Father, for, for, for loving us, Lord, when we thought that our discipline was enough to make it happen, that somehow our flesh could receive and inherit the things of the Spirit, and yet, Father, we, we see that it doesn't work that way. And so, Father, we just thank you for teaching us to trust you. Lord, that our confidence in you is increasing as we give glory to you, as, as, we, as we ponder your greatness, as we sing of your greatness like we did tonight, as we take time to consider the sparrows and consider the lilies like you instructed us to, Jesus, to, to take a long and thoughtful look at what God has created and, and the revelation in the creation of your divine power and eternal being. Father, we love you. Those who ask receive. Lord, receiving from you is not hard. Thank you for helping us understand how to do it correctly. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you again so much for being here tonight. I hope you got something out of this. You be blessed. I'll see you Sunday morning, if not before. Much love and good things coming.